book six chapters one through four of of the love of god by saint francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book six the practice of holy love in prayer and meditation chapter one mystical theology is nothing else save meditation and prayer there are two chief developments of our love towards god one affective the other effective or as saint bernard says active by the first we give our affections to god and to that which he loves by the second we serve him and obey his commands the one unites us to his goodness the other causes us to fulfill his will the one inspires the love of complacence and benevolence longings and aspirations which tend to the union of our soul with god the other fills us with the steadfast resolution firm courage and hearty obedience which are requisite to carry out god's will to suffer and accept willingly whatever it may be his good pleasure to send us the one makes us find pleasure in god the other makes us please him by one we conceive by the other we produce by the one we set god as a seal upon our heart as the standard round which all our affections rally by the other as a seal upon our arm as the sword wherewith we can do mighty deeds now the first of these exercises consists mainly in meditation wherein so many interior actions take place that it is impossible to express them all not only from their number but from their nature and quality which being spiritual cannot but be very subtle and all but imperceptible to our understanding the best trained hounds are apt to lose scent when the deer doubles and evades them by every device and so we often lose insight of our hearts by its multiplicity of windings and doublings god alone in his infinite wisdom fathoms the depths and windings of our heart he understandeth my thoughts long before he is about my path and spiest out all my ways his knowledge is too excellent for me i cannot attain unto it psalm 139 were we to persist in trying to follow the course of our own minds and acts we should involve ourselves in labyrinths without clue and it would be an intolerable strain to think of our thoughts consider our considerations scan our spiritual vision discern our perceptions recall our recollections a hopeless useless entanglement the handling of such matters is difficult especially to one who is not greatly given to prayer we do not here use the word prayer or a song solely as the petition for some good thing poured out before god by the faithful as saint basil defines it but rather according to saint bonaventura who says that prayer 
or meditation generally speaking includes all the contemplative acts or saint gregory neeson who taught that prayer is intercourse of the soul with god or saint chrysostom who calls it a parley with the majesty of god or lastly saint augustine and saint damascene who say that prayer is an uplifting of the mind to god and if prayer be an intercourse by which we hold converse with god we aspire to him and breathe in him while he inspires and breathes upon us but of what do we treat in prayer what is the subject of that intercourse of what but god for who can excite and foster love save through the beloved and therefore prayer and mystical theology are one and the same thing we call it theology because just as speculative theology concerns god only so this speaks but of him though with three points of difference that is number one that treats of god in that he is god this in that he is to be loved above all things in other words one has reference to the divinity of supreme goodness the other to the supreme goodness of the divinity number two speculative theology deals with god as referring to men mystical theology speaks of god as of and in himself number three speculative theology tends to the knowledge mystical theology to the love of god so that while the one makes profound scholars and learned theologians the other makes devout lovers of god it is called mystic because it is secret and the intercourse between god and the soul which it fosters is appreciable only to those who practice it the language of lovers is one unintelligible to all but themselves i sleep but my heart waketh it is the voice of my beloved that knocketh canticle chapter five verse two who would have supposed that the bride while sleeping could commune with her bridegroom but where love is spoken words are needless as well as all other external means of communication briefly prayer and mystic theology are nothing else than a conversation by which the soul carries on a loving intercourse with god through which to attain full union with him prayer is a manna by reason of the countless sweetnesses it imparts to those who use it but it is hidden because it falls before the dawn of any earthly knowledge in the mental wilderness where the soul comes face to face with god who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant canticle chapter three verse six and so likewise the longing for secrecy led the bride to plead come my beloved let us go forth into the field 
let us lodge in the villages canticle chapter seven verse eleven and for the same reason she is called the turtle dove loving solitary shaded places where she coos her plaintive notes for her mate alone soliciting him while living mourning him when dead so in the canticles the heavenly bride and bridegroom show forth their love in continual intercourse and if others break in it is without hindering their converse saint teresa used to say that she specially loved to meditate on those mysteries wherein our lord was alone as in the garden of olives or sitting by the well of sychar because when alone she fancied he would suffer her to draw the closer to him love craves for privacy and lovers though they may have no secret to tell yet delight in secrecy mainly perhaps because they care only to speak to each other and their manner of converse is peculiar they do not talk after the common fashion but in a language of their own the language of love may be ordinary as to words but only lovers are familiar with its intonation and utterance the word friend as commonly used may not convey anything very special but it becomes wondrously significant when whispered apart very wide indeed is the difference between the language of those primitive lovers of god ignatius cyprian chrysostom augustine hilary ephraim gregory and bernard and the drier less loving theologians of our time we use the same words but with them those words breathe forth warmth and perfume with us they are cold and savorless love speaks not with the lips alone but with the eyes and expression and its very silence is eloquent my heart hath talked of thee thy face lord will i seek psalm twenty seven verse nine mine eyes long sore for thy word saying o when wilt thou comfort me psalm one hundred nineteen verse eighty two hear my prayer o lord and with thine eyes consider my calling hold not thy peace at my tears psalm thirty nine verse thirteen let not the apple of thine eye cease as the woeful inhabitants of jerusalem cried out lamentations chapter two verse eighteen thus the silence of the sorrowful lover speaks in tears the main point of mystic theology is to speak with and hearken to god in the recesses of the heart and forasmuch as this dialogue is carried on by very secret aspirations and inspirations we call it the colloquy of silence eye speaks to eye heart to heart and none can understand save those devout lovers who take part chapter two of meditation the first step in prayer or mystic theology this word is largely used in holy scripture 
and means an attentive oft-repeated thought calculated to excite good or evil affections in psalm one we are told that he is blessed whose delight is in the law of the lord and who will exercise himself therein or meditate thereupon day and night and in the second the psalmist asks why do the heathen so furiously rage together and why do the people imagine a vain thing whereby we see meditation used alike for good and evil generally however the word meditation is used in holy scripture to indicate the attention fixed on sacred things with a view to increase love for them and it has been so to say canonized by the general consent of theologians just as angel and zeal are while demon and woe have been assigned to evil things so now in speaking of meditation we mean that which is holy and therein first mystic theology now all meditation is thought but all thoughts are not meditation we frequently are beset by thoughts which have no method or intention but are altogether desultory like flies hovering over a flower-bed without object and this manner of thought cannot be called meditation at other times we think attentively about somewhat with a view to understand its causes effects or quality and this manner of thought is study resembling the cockchafer who buzzes about leaves and flowers that he may eat them but when we think about sacred things not in order to learn but to kindle our affections that is really meditating and therein the mind resembles neither the fly amusing itself nor the chafer eating its fill but the bee which goes from flower to flower amid sacred mysteries gathering up the honey of divine love some there are who continually dwell upon useless thoughts almost without knowing what they are about they are attentive only by inadvertence and do not seek so to cogitate they are like job when he said my purposes are broken off even the thoughts of my heart job chapter seventeen verse eleven others study and laboriously heap up vanity but there are few who really meditate with a view to kindling heavenly love within their souls thought and study may be bestowed on all manner of things but the real meditation of which i am speaking has reference only to such matters as are calculated to make us earnest and devout practically meditation is simply thought attentive repeated or sustained with a view to excite the will to holy affections and resolutions god's word describes such meditation by a very beautiful similitude i will cry out like a young swallow and meditate like a dove isaiah chapter thirty eight verse fourteen if you have ever watched the swallow broods you will have seen how wide they open their beaks when chirping 
while on the contrary doves keep their beaks closed more than any other bird cooing within the throat and breast alike in the expression of gladness or sadness so isaiah likens his vocal prayer to the cry of the young swallow and his meditation to the dove softly swelling within his heart until it be heard of god again he says we roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves isaiah chapter fifty nine verse eleven where again the roaring bear represents vocal prayer and the mourning dove devout meditation but that it may be remembered how the dove coos not in complaint only but for joy likewise the bridegroom when describing the spiritual springtime under the likeness of natural spring says the voice of the turtle is heard in our land and again o my dove let me see thy countenance let me hear thy voice for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely canticle chapter two verses twelve and fourteen showing thereby that the devout soul is acceptable to him when it kindles its spiritual love through pious meditation thus he who had said that he would meditate like the dove saith that he will review all his past years in the bitterness of his soul for meditation and cogitation with a view to rousing the affections are one and the same thing therefore moses after exhorting the people of israel to consider in their heart what god had done for them goes on to say therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the lord thy god to walk in his ways and to fear him deuteronomy chapter eight verses five and six and the lord himself gave the like precept to joshua this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all the laws joshua chapter one verse eight to meditate and to consider are used as synonymous in these two passages and in both the end of consideration and meditation is to be keeping and doing the law the apostle says in the same sense consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against him lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds hebrews chapter twelve verse three whereby consider he plainly means meditate and why would he have us meditate upon the passion not surely that we may become learned but patient and brave in our heavenward path lord what love have i unto thy law all the day long is my study in it david cries out psalm 119 verse 97 he meditates upon the law because he loves it and he loves it because he meditates thereupon meditation is the mystic rumination of which we read in the canticles and it was thus that the pure and gentle isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide to hold converse with his god 
the summer bee flits from flower to flower not at haphazard but designedly not merely to recreate itself amid the garden's pleasant diaper but to seek honey and carry it to its hive to the symmetric comb where it stores its winter food even so the devout soul in meditation it goes from mystery to mystery not merely as dipping into the beauty of those wondrous matters but deliberately seeking fresh motives for love and devout affections and having found these it feeds upon them and imbibes them and storing them up within condenses them into resolutions suitable to the time of temptation thus the heavenly bride of the canticles hovers like a bee round the cheek the lips the locks of her beloved drawing thence innumerable delights until kindled with sacred joy she talks with him questions hearkens sighs longs marvels while he fills her with content opens her heart and fills it with boundless light and sweetness yet so secretly that that may be said of this devout communing of the soul with god which we read of moses moses went up unto god and god called to him out of the mountain and they spake one with another chapter three contemplation the first point of difference between that and meditation contemplation is nothing else than a mental attitude of loving simple persistent attention to holy things which you may readily understand by comparing it with meditation the young bees are called nymphae or grubs until such time as they make honey and in like manner we call prayer meditation until it produces the honey of devotion after which it becomes contemplation for just as the bee goes hither and thither picking up honey the which when collected it works for the sake of the sweetness thereof so we meditate in order to gather up god's love and having gathered it we contemplate him and wait upon his goodness in order to enjoy the sweetness which love makes us feel therein the desire to win divine love makes us meditate but when one that love causes us to contemplate for love shows us so much to admire in the object of our love that we can never gaze or dwell upon it sufficiently remember the queen of sheba how having beheld the wisdom of solomon the beauty of his house the splendor of his table and household the gorgeous raiment of his attendants the service he had appointed in the temple and the like she remained struck with astonishment contemplating the whole with a sense of utter enchantment and delight the sight of such marvels created a strong affection in her and that affection produced a fresh desire to see and rejoice more and more in the presence of him who caused them so that she cried out happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom one kings chapter ten 
even so men sometimes begin to eat by exciting their appetite but when once that is excited they go on eating to satisfy it and we begin by meditating upon god's goodness in order to excite our will to love him but that love once roused in the heart we contemplate the same goodness in order to satisfy love which can never sufficiently gaze on its object in a word meditation is the mother of love but contemplation is the daughter and consequently i called contemplation a loving attention for we call children by their father's names not fathers by those of their children truly even as joseph was of old the crown and glory of his father's old age so contemplation is the crown and perfection of its parent love for love having kindled contemplative attention in the heart that attention gives birth to a greater more fervent love which is finally crowned with perfection when it attains that which it loves love takes delight in beholding the beloved and the sight of him makes us rejoice in his holy love so that by this twofold action love beautifies the object of love and beauty quickens love love has an imperceptible power of enhancing that beauty which we love and as we gaze our love is quickened love gives eyes to see and sight inflames the heart chapter four love in this world takes its rise but not its perfection from the knowledge of god which i would ask is strongest love which causes us to gaze upon the beloved or sight which makes us love him surely knowledge is essential to the production of love we cannot love that which we know not and in proportion as our knowledge of good increases love profits by the growth provided nothing hinders its action nevertheless it often happens that knowledge having given birth to holy love that love unfettered by the limits of human knowledge reaches out far beyond it so that even in this life love may greatly exceed our knowledge of god and therefore st thomas affirms that often simple women and unlearned persons are capable of and abound more greatly in love than the learned the celebrated andrea de vercelli st anthony of padua's master says several times in his commentary on st denis that love reaches hidden places where external science can never penetrate illustrating the proposition by his own disciple st anthony who was so profound a mystic theologian that like st john baptist he might well be called a burning and shining light brother egidio one of the first saintly companions of st francis exclaimed once to st bonaventura o thrice happy he who are learned for ye best know how to praise god but what can we poor ignorant men do to which st bonaventura made answer grace 
to love god is enough but father brother egidio persisted can an ignorant man love god as well as one who is learned verily yes replied saint bonaventura i tell you a poor ignorant woman can love god as well as a doctor of theology whereupon brother egidio cried out o poor unlearned woman love thy saviour and thou mayest be even as brother bonaventura and so engrossed was he by the thought that for the space of three hours he remained as one rapt it is true that the will becomes aware of that which is good by means of the understanding but having once perceived it the understanding is not necessary to the exercise of love for the attraction of that which is good is so strong that the will is powerfully drawn to it and thus knowledge gives birth to love though it does not fix the limit thereof thus we see that as the knowledge of an insult rouses anger which if not forthwith repressed generally becomes disproportionately great so the passions are not governed by the knowledge which excites them but push on without limit towards their object and this occurs specially in sacred love the rather that therein the will is turned to it not by natural knowledge but by the light of faith which convincing us of the infinitude of god's goodness gives a sufficient cause for loving him with all our might men dig the earth to seek gold and silver expending present labor on a gain as yet only hoped for so that an uncertain knowledge produces a present real labor and as by degrees they discover the vein of metal they seek more earnestly a very little matter serves to stimulate their search and so a feeble knowledge enveloped in many mists as is our faith attracts us infinitely to the love of that goodness which it lets us see afar off and thus what saint augustine says that the feeble win heaven while wise men sink to hell comes true which would best love the light a man born blind who had learned all that philosophers teach concerning its theories or the laborer who sees and feels the glorious brightness of the rising sun the one has more knowledge the other more enjoyment and that enjoyment creates a far more lively love than mere information for the experience of a good thing is infinitely more attractive than any possible amount of knowledge about it we begin to love through that knowledge of god's goodness which faith imparts and which we proceed to realize by enjoyment until love quickens enjoyment and enjoyment intensifies love until just as the wind and the waves seem to swell one another so do love and enjoyment as it is written they that eat me shall yet be hungry and they that drink me shall yet be thirsty ecclesiasticus chapter twenty four verse twenty one whether of the twain loved god best 
the most subtle of all theologians or saint catherine of genoa a simple woman surely the theologian might know god best as to mere knowledge but she by experience and her experience led her on to seraphic love whereas all science never has attained that perfection st thomas says that men are greatly attracted to the sciences by a mere vague admiration before realizing them and we may say the same of that knowledge of god's goodness by which the will is attracted to divine love but when once the will is roused love grows by reason of the very enjoyment which it feels before babies have tasted sugar or honey they will scarce touch it but having once tasted thereof they are greedily eager to get more still we must confess that the will is more powerfully drawn to union with the object of its delight when the understanding urges its virtues for then it is both drawn and urged so that knowledge far from being opposed is very helpful to devotion and when combined they are a great mutual support although often through our infirmity knowledge hinders the birth of devotion by puffing up and kindling men's pride and pride the foe of all virtue is absolute ruin to devotion assuredly the great wisdom of a cyprian and augustine hilary chrysostom basil gregory bonaventura or a thomas was not merely a noble accessory but a mighty quickener of their devotion as on the other hand their devotion not merely was a stimulant but a great addition to their knowledge end of book six chapter four